Trek Geeks is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins with new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. Hi, this is Michelle Specht. I play Dr. Elise McKenna on Star Trek Continues. Oh my god, I'm totally fangirling right now because I just met Dan Davidson and Bill Smith of the Trek Geeks podcast. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. Freshly back from the West Coast office of Podfleet Command, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings one and all. Welcome to Trek Geeks in episode number 205. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. So great to be here. So great to be with you, and thank you for downloading. Um, We have a fun show for you today. One that we've been dying to talk about, and we weren't sure when we were going to get to talk about it, Mm. but... um, uh, well, I said we, so I may as well let the cat out of the bag. Um, I was hoping to leave him just in the middle of Hollywood and let him fend his way for himself, but I'm pretty concerned that he would have just parked himself at the star of Leonard Nimoy and not come back. He's the largely touristable Dan Davidson, and Dan, um, welcome back, buddy. You are an American tourister. Touristable. I like that. Thank you. Touristista. It's good to be here, man. I don't know what that means. I don't um, either. Episode 205. Wow, we've, we've like five episodes in after 200. That's pretty cool. I can't get anything by you. <laughs> it's good to be here, but it was good to be out there. Uh, that is for sure. Yes, as you as you mentioned, you and I had a great trip a few weeks ago out to Los Angeles, California, as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger might say. It. California. 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 Um, and we had a great time, and we're going to talk about it today. Um, we're, we're, we're a couple episodes into Picard, but that doesn't matter because it's still going to be fun to talk about. It's kind of funny. I was looking forward to the midwinter break, you know, to get away from the New Hampshire cold. And we go out to LA, it's about 60 degrees. And then we get texts from our wives that it was 72 back home in New Hampshire in January. And I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Yeah. My wife FaceTimed me. She was out on the deck in the sun with the dogs. Uh, it's killing me. <laughs> yeah. That's it's the one time, of course, right after that, we went back into the deep freeze. I'm like, mm-hmm. son of a... So basically what it means is it's you. It just follows you around. You're the gloom and the ice-filled clouds on my life. I was going to say, uh, I think it's you. You're the dark cloud that follows me around <laughs> and has for about so 25 years. I win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, buddy, you're the big winner today. And as your prize, you can tell everybody how they can get in touch with us. <laughs> well, uh, if you're looking to get in touch with us, you can head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact. And there you will find a plethora of ways to communicate with your two favorite geeks. Let's see. There's Skype chat. There's email. There's even voicemail via that big blue button using SpeakPipe. 
whatever way you want to contact us, just make it so because we love hearing from you. Plus, there's also the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook. It's called Camp Kittimer. It is our official group, and it's where over 1,600 other friends gather to talk Trek. It's always positive, and there's no bashing or gatekeeping ever allowed. To join the group, head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, Sarah, and Dan for the amazing job they do running the camp. And remember, comments, we use them, can't do anything about it. Bill? <laughs> what? <laughs> comments, we use them, can't do anything about it. Um, or your comment could be used in a future episode of The Flagship. Um, Flagship is fun. Your face is not fun. Um, yeah, I was going to go somewhere with this, but then you derailed me. Um, yeah. Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. For all the news on all the Star Treks, yo. It's treknews.net. Online at treknews.net. Net. I love the little Steve Austin finish there. That was pretty good. Thank you. And for some people listening, I don't mean the wrestler. Google it. You'll figure it out. First up, Dan, our good friend and fellow podcaster Shashank Avaru from Politrex has completed his read of the Picard prequel comic series, which means his review is now available on the aforementioned treknews.net. Absolutely correct, Bill. Uh, yeah, the three-part comic series Picard Countdown has wrapped up with issue number three. And Shashank, uh, his review is now available at treknews.net, like you just mentioned. Uh, the series provides some great background into the characters in the new series. Shashank has already reviewed the first two chapters, uh, and they can be found on that favorite Star Trek news outlet called, Bill? Treknews.net. There you go. And as a quick summary of the thoughts on Chapter 3, Shashank says this, quote, Star Trek Picard Countdown wraps up the immediate story and sets up the future in a mostly satisfying, if a bit too wordy, finale, end quote. I actually, Bill, have yet to check this third issue out. I've read the first two and they're amazing and I am looking forward to reading uh, Chapter 3. What about you? I have to agree with them. I read the, the third issue already. Um, I do think it was a little too wordy, but I mean, there are a lot of TNG episodes that get a little too wordy at the end, um, especially season one, season two. Yeah. So uh, I I can't fault that observation one bit. I agree with the lovely and talented Mr. Avaru. Nice. Well, I'm glad you agree with somebody on the network. I know. And somebody who's actually smart, unlike my present company. So, Dan, uh, Picard seems to be dominating the Star Trek newsfeed lately, and who are we to argue? It appears that some information regarding upcoming episodes of the hit show have been released by CBS. Absolutely have. Uh, absolutely they have, I should say. And uh, there are some interesting titles, to be sure. Uh, along with those titles, a couple of images have been released to give us a sneak peek of what to expect. This coming Thursday, as we record, Episode 3, The End is the Beginning, will be aired. with a, And uh, this had a picture of Jonathan Del Arco, who is, of course, returning as third of five, better known as Hugh. 
Episode four is called Absolute Candor. It appears that this may be the first episode where we meet the Romulan Elnor, played by Evan Evagora, who was, I must say, a delight to speak to at the Hollywood pre- pre- premiere a few weeks ago. And finally, episode five has been, uh, the, re- the title has been released, and it's called, interestingly enough, Stardust City Rag. Uh, and this may be the episode that we finally get to welcome Jerry Ryan back as Annika Hansen. So three titles, some cool pictures, and we have some stuff to look forward to. We absolutely do. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, getting to talk to everybody was was amazing. We'll talk about that shortly. But um, what a vibe at the premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, every, people are rightfully excited about the show. I've talked to all kinds of people just in my everyday life who have mentioned they've seen the show and they love it. And I mean, it's breaking records for CBS All Access now, which I'm not surprised by. So um, here's to continued success for Picard. I'm very excited about it. And uh, if people get a chance, check out Trek Geeks Picard live, streaming live on Facebook and YouTube Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, hosted by the gracious and lovely Barry DeFord. Um, It's a great breakdown of each week's episode. So if you haven't watched that week's episode, you might want to before you check out Picard Live, Dan. Spoilers. Spoilers about. Yeah. <laughs> and Dan, finally, for all those gamers out there, the Star Trek universe is celebrating a pretty significant milestone. This is significant. It's been a decade of online gaming fun, man. And you know, through the years, Trek games have unfortunately not been the most exciting or fun things to play. But one game that stood the test of time and has a huge following is Star Trek Online. This year, they will be celebrating their 10th anniversary with Star Trek Online Legacy which will pay tribute to all the different Star Trek series featured in the game over the last decade. Legacy's two new featured episodes bring players back to the planet of Excalbia, which we saw in the TOS episode, The Savage Curtain. And you're going to see characters Seven of Nine, uh, or I should say Annika Hansen Hansen from uh, Picard, voiced by Jerry Ryan herself, as well as Michael Burnham, voiced by Sonequa Martin-Green from, of course, Star Trek Discovery. In addition to that, there's going to be additional anniversary celebrations all year long, so check it out. Star Trek Online Legacy is now live for PC and will launch on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on March 3rd. Yay! Maybe this will finally get me into Star Trek Online. I've tried, but I'm just, I'm so terrible at gaming. I I think that's my problem. Oh, okay. Uh, You know know who loves Star Trek Online is our good friend Terry Lynn. She loves Star Trek. We have a lot of friends who love Star Trek online. Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, it's uh, part of it is also trying to find time to play. Right. Absolutely. uh, We we produce a podcast network now. (laughs) And the time I might have spent gaming is now spent um, producing Star Trek podcasts. Priorities. Sorry. um, So I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Well, Dan, as with every episode of Trek Geeks, it's time to talk about our dear friends at Fansets and the amazing line of pins and accessories they have available over at Fansets.com. You know, Bill, this past week had some amazing announcements from Fansets regarding their pins and even hints of something else coming down the road later this year. Um, As promised, the new coffee-wielding Captain Janeway pin is now available at Fansets.com, along with Season 2 episodic pins 5 through 8 from Star Trek Discovery. 
That's very cool. Uh, so those are available right now, along with new pins from DC Comics, Big Bang Theory, Irwin Allen, and The Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And Bill, on top of all that, this announcement I am about to give just shows how much Fansets appreciates their customers. Ever since the Picard premiere in Hollywood a few weeks ago, which we're going to get into greater detail in a few minutes, people have been asking if the Starfleet Delta and the visitor pin uh, that were given to attendees would be made available. Well, get ready, folks, because very soon, both pins will be available for purchase at fansets.com. That is amazing news, man. I mean, you and I were able to get that amazing new Starfleet Delta pin in LA, and we're both looking forward to adding that visitor pin to our collection as soon as we can. And to add to your little hint... We know that something big is in the works over at Fansets. This new thing they're working on is just going to blow you away. It's not pins, but you won't care because you're just going to want to start making room for this new swag. Trust us. And hey, listeners, when you head over to Fansets, put a bunch of stuff in your cart. How would you like to receive 15% off your entire order? Yes, you heard that right. 15%. Well, you can, and it is super easy to do. At checkout, just look for that special discount code field and enter the word HOLLYWOOD in all capital letters, and this is going to get you 15% off your entire order at fansets.com. This bonus code will be available until Wednesday, February 12th, 2020 at midnight Eastern Standard Time. Bill, I got something hot off the presses here. Really? That was really good. Thank you. Thank you. We have just seen, right before we started recording tonight, some um, new pins that are going to be coming out from the aforementioned Picard series. And I think it's safe to say that you and I were completely blown away. Uh, Yes. Yeah. I mean, we can give you a couple uh, character names of things that we saw, which I think will get some people very excited. Um, uh, Do you want to do you want to give that information, Bill, or, or would you like me to? You can start. Okay, Dr. Jatari. I love her. She's going to be a pin. She's going to be a pin. Raffi? Jurati. Jurati. I said Jatari. I said Jatari, didn't I? Yeah, you know yeah. why? Because I can't spell, because I spelled it wrong on my sheet of paper. Um, and Raffi is going to be available also. And I Yeah, that's amazing. There's a there's a couple of good-looking Picard pins in there. I'm just going to yeah, throw that out there. Throw that right out there. Yeah, I, I'm very psyched by this. Um, uh, Elnor? Oh, oh my God. Elnor in pen form. It looks pretty badass. Um, and we might have spied a, a peep at the special Voyager 25 pin. I'm just saying. What? Yeah, we did. <laughs> it looks amazing. It's going to be another layered pin like they've done in previous years. Yes. So, Fantastic. Um, I, I, I'm in love with all of them, of course, and that means I better break out my credit card. It's fansets-tastic. See what I did there? Anyway, fansets. Our pins have character, and we thank our friends at fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Well, Dan, as we move to the main topic, we're going to discuss our trip to Hollywood, California, and the red carpet premiere of Star Trek Picard, but that wasn't all that happened. So we have to back up in time and take the Wayback Machine to uh, maybe a few weeks before. Mm -hmm. We decided to book airfare and hotel to LA before we knew we actually were going to be able to attend the premiere. You know, we said, why not? Um, We know a lot of people that live out in the area. And if we can't go to the premiere, it'll be a chance for us to go to the Arclight and just hang out with those people and have fun. We don't get to see them very often. Sometimes we only get to see them once a year at STLV. And I said, dude, let's just do it. Why not? What's it going to hurt? It'll be fun. We'll have a great time. And then other things happened. Well, so at that point, I said, well, why don't I see if I can get us red carpet privileges? You know, like members of the media. Mm -hmm. Because technically, we are members of the media. And so I emailed CBS. 
And then I emailed CBS. Crickets. And then I emailed CBS. And then the holidays happened. <laughs> and then I sent a whole bunch of emails to CBS. And eventually we got approved for red carpet. And you and I were beside ourselves like, what do you mean? We're going we're gonna to be on the red carpet? There's the potential we could talk to like people? Like people in Picard? And I think when I told you, I think that you were initially excited beyond belief and then panic stricken. Absolutely. Yes. Um, cause you know me, I, I don't talk not good. So <laughs> what am I going to say? I didn't have my dog face down in a banana patch to Patrick Stewart. I mean, I have no idea. So I was very excited, but also very, very nervous. But I said to myself, and I actually will talk about this a little bit more later. I said to somebody who was standing next to us at the red carpet, um, when, when he asked me, did I prepare any questions? And I'm like, nope, I'm not going to psych myself out. Just going with whatever comes off the top of my head. And that can be very dangerous. Especially well, from me. No, I don't think that's true. I mean, you, you make light of it, but I mean, uh, some of our best conversations on the show are ones we have not written questions for. Right. We that's did it true. early on with everybody because we felt we had to, mm -hmm. but we were more conversational when we just showed up and just started talking to people. And that's what you did at the red carpet. And I thought it worked amazingly well. Oh, thanks, man. It was, it was fun. It was, it was surreal. And uh, I don't want to get out of order with stuff, but there were just certain things that happened when we were on the red carpet. I'm sitting there going, I can't believe this is happening. And well, let's let's come back to that because yeah, we absolutely. don't want to we don't want to spoil those moments. Um, first off, we have to say right off the bat, if you've looked at the uh, weekly album cover art this week that Dan put together, it has a fantastic picture of Sir Patrick Stewart taken by Starfleet Mom, who has graciously let us use it for the podcast. Um, uh, it is he's pointing right at her it's one of the best pictures i've ever seen <laughs> it's, it's it is the best picture from the premiere yeah uh, hands, hands down. down yeah hands absolutely down. yep so we have to thank her but our level of excitement was impossible to be contained on this trip mm -hmm. from the moment we got to the airport we were like two kids waiting to race down the stairs to tear open our christmas presents <laughs> um and even though we were working on little sleep. We just had so much energy the entire time. I think that's one of the things that benefits from, from doing something that is so surreal and, and, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. The energy level and the adrenaline surge is so powerful that you don't get tired. And that little sleep really doesn't matter because I was a little worried that, that it, we were going to be really too tired and no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. It was great. We got in pretty late the first night. We were staying out by Universal Studios. Yep. Um, apparently, uh, there's a lot of hills out there. And a little bit. I've never been out to Los Angeles before. It's my first time in the area. I had no anticipation of how hilly it would be in some of the areas. I just assumed that it's flat. Even though I've heard about the Hollywood Hills, mm -hmm. I didn't assume that they were actually real hills. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was really kind of amazed. I mean, the hill to go up uh, the street to our hotel was, was I would not want to walk up that thing. Oh, no. I, I love the landscape of, of, of the area. We get the mountains off in the distance. Kind of reminds me of Vegas a little bit. Yeah. We got those mountains shooting up. But just the, the, those hills, right, in, in L.A. And, and like you said, near Universal Studios, very hilly. We walked up one of those hills on one of the days when we went to get something to eat at the Universal uh, Walk. And that was quite a hill just in itself. And that was a short walk. <laughs> it was I so thought we were going to die. <laughs> Well, better things could have happened, but that's okay. Yeah, no, yeah, we literally were 10 minutes from, a 10-minute walk from the, the, the Universal Park gate. Mm -hmm. So we went up to City Walk, we had some lunch, we watched some football, um, 
and uh, we we pretty much just settled in. We uh, I think I checked the equipment about thirty times um, because I wanted to be sure I had everything. I wanted to be sure it was ready to go, even though we weren't using it for a day. Right. Um, well, but it was all that nervous energy. preparation. But we were so fortunate to be able to meet up with two great friends of ours, um, John Champion and, and James Kerwin. Um, the latter, the director of several episodes of Star Trek Continues, mm-hmm. uh, director of the film Yesterday Was a Lie, which recently just got re-released on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, uh, and we had just an amazing meal at Hollywood's oldest restaurant. That place was unbelievable. It was, it was, I'm going to use the word surreal way too many times. Mousseau and Frank's is just, it's just, it's an, it's an iconic place. And I didn't realize the history that was in this restaurant until Mr. Champion decided to show us around. And he like has free reign of that whole freaking place. He is like, (laughs) he's like the Humphrey Bogart of our generation walking into that place. They're like, Hey, Mr. Champion. It was, it was awesome. It was it was what was it? It was celebrated its 100th anniversary last year. Yeah, yeah. So it's 100 years old. The history of that place and the stories that he told us were unlike anything I could have imagined. It was a fantastic night. We talked a lot of Star Trek. It was so great to see James. We don't get to see him nearly enough. I know. Um, and it was just a great uh, reunion of friends in a really cool place. It was. A, it was a lot of fun times, good food, and just great laughs. Yeah. Um, it was just four guys just enjoying the night, you know, and, and some great food. Before we even got to the restaurant, before James got there, we're outside on, was it, is that Hollywood Boulevard? Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. Pretty sure. And um, uh, one of us could Google it, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Hollywood Boulevard. And we're waiting for John to walk up and, and he, we finally meet up with him and we're talking about the stars in the Hollywood Walk of Fame because Harrison Ford star is right outside the restaurant. And he goes, oh, well, check this out. He walks us down to the corner and there's Leonard Nimoy's star. And he goes, oh, come this way. He takes us to the other corner and there's Nichelle Nichols. There's Walter Koenig. And then just a few steps further is Gene Roddenberry's star yeah. on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, all within 15 seconds of Musso and Frank's. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, we picked the perfect place for dinner because it was like Star Trek Central. Alan Hale Jr. too. Alan Hale Jr. <laughs> do you little buddy. You know, I had to do it. <laughs> but uh, yes, it is Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. Um, I did check it up. I Googled it like you suggested. Um, so, and that alone was like, oh my God, I never thought cool. I'd see this. Yeah. I mean, Leonard Nimoy's star, which literally, you know, was was put down 30 years ago. Mm. Um, uh, roughly 30 years ago, roughly that same week, because Nichelle Nichols' social media posted photos from that event. And I'm thinking, I was just standing right there. It's amazing. I did not know this about the stars on Hollywood Boulevard. They have the name of the person that's being recognized. They have a specific symbol for what kind of entertainment that person did. Like they have a record for a musician and they have a, like a movie thing for movie people and a TV for TV shows. I thought that was cool. I did not know that they did that. So a lot of history on that street. A lot. And even Musso and Frank's has its own star right outside the restaurant because they've been in existence since 1919. Yep. The first working telephone in Hollywood is in the back of that restaurant. Uh, Payphone. 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 And and one of the stories that John told us about this place is there are newer phone booths in the back of the restaurant. And Johnny Depp, before he became famous and, and, and was an actor, a struggling actor, he used to stay there during the day all the time and make phone calls from those pay phones because he couldn't afford a phone in his apartment down the road. And he got his call to be cast in Nightmare on Elm Street, his first movie, from that pay phone that we were looking at. It's amazing, isn't it? That's awesome. 
That's so cool. You know, and just he- seeing all the history, I mean, uh, Musso and Frank shows up in, in the latest Tarantino movie. You know, it shows up in, in the, uh, the new Michael Douglas series on Netflix. Um, it's, it's been a, a spot in Hollywood for a hundred years. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Brent Spiner and Rekha Sharma and, um, the actress whose name is, I'm forgetting right now was the, the index in episode one of Picard, um, all had dinner there. So it was like three androids or <laughs> three, three androids AI walk into a bar. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But it was an amazing meal. If you ever have the chance. Um, oh, the food was amazing. It was worth it. Yeah. It was Absolutely great. worth it. Um, but it, it, it was a great night with great friends. And that was just the start of our trip. Yeah. <laughs> it just continued to get better and better and better. Really and um, the next morning, we were fortunate enough to be the guests of our dear friend, Adam Drozen, uh, for a VIP tour of... Paramount Pictures. Just, you know, just Paramount Pictures. Wow. So, you know, Adam sends me, a, a, you know, an IM that says, hey, you know, come to the Melrose Gate and uh, let the guard know that, you know, you, you, you're on the list. You know, you have a pass and, uh, and he'll give you instructions. I'm like, okay. It's like, I've never done this before. <laughs> you know, idea. I'm thinking we're going to get there and we're going to like say, yeah, get out of here, pal. Everybody says that. And no, so we took an Uber to Paramount Pictures. <laughs> we pull up to the gate on Melrose Avenue. And uh, the guy says, oh, yeah, just pull up over there. Here's your, can I just see your licenses? All right, here's your, here you go. Here's a map. <laughs> with, t- with VIP tickets on it. I know. And we started walking around the Paramount lot to meet Adam. And he showed up wearing his TNG sweatshirt, which was cool in itself. <laughs> well, at one point, I have the realization, we are walking unescorted on the Paramount lot. <laughs> this... This should not happen. Yes, especially with us. Oh, my God. But uh, there he was. And, uh, you know, we've been friends with Adam for a long time now. And what he did for us that day is something that I will never, ever forget. Same. The amount of history in that place is unlike anything that anybody could possibly imagine. And we got told stories, and we got to see things that just completely blew me away. I... I still sit here just smiling from ear to ear because I got to do this thing. And it's a thing that a whole bunch of people just don't get to do. Now you can, if you go on the Paramount tour, but I mean, you're going to get a tour guide and you're going to go around to the various places and that's awesome. But I mean, we were just sort of walking around free reign without him and it was amazing. So one of our first stops was in the, I guess, uh, I guess you call it the visitor center. Um, yes. You know, we got our, our VIP passes mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of costumes and props around, you know, there's a communicator phase or a tricorder from the, the last Star Trek movie. It was a big screen showing clips from Paramount movies. Um, I was standing next to the best picture Oscar for the Godfather in 1972. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, going, oh, oh my God, that that's the Godfather, the Godfather, the Godfather, Godfather. Um, you know, and uh, th- there's a, a full-scale model of the Terminator. Mm-hmm. Which they use for all the CGI, they said. That yeah, same is, model is used for the CGI of all the Terminators. Totally see. incredible. Yeah. And, you know, the list of things that was on shooting on the lot that day, you know, there's um, there's NCIS Los Angeles, which was shooting. There's This Is Us, which occupies like three sound stages, which is, uh, which is amazing. You know, if you think about it. Um, Grace Uni- and Frankie. Grace, uh, Frank, yeah, Grace and Frankie, yeah. uh, the unicorn on CBS mm-hmm. was shooting there. Uh, Doc, Dr. Feel was shooting there. Uh, the doctors, 
which I guess is some sort of uh, syndicated doctor talk show. Uh, and I'm like thinking to myself, oh my God, there's stuff actually filming today. And that, yeah, I didn't stop to think that that would be the case. As a matter of fact, Dr. Phil was actually, the the red light was going uh, at the door to the set for Dr. Phil when we were walking, uh, walking around. So that was very cool. What was going on at that moment? Yeah. So one of our first stops was sort of like a, I guess the, the props warehouse. Oh my God, this was awesome. <laughs> well, why don't you take it from here for a bit then? So we just walk into this building and it's, there's all kinds of props and it's, it's, I don't, I don't know if other people get to go in this room or not. I'm really not sure. I, I, I don't know, but we walk in and, and we're looking around and we're like, Oh my God, there's this cool stuff. And I turn to my left and there's a life-size bumblebee staring down at me. Yes. It's like a 20-foot-tall bumblebee. And I'm just giddy. I love the Transformers movies. I think the special effects in them are really great. And I just love the sound the Transformers make. So I was, uh, right off the bat, I was ecstatic. So we're looking around. And there's various, and there was actually various Star Trek stuff, which I was very excited about, too. Yeah. Like, a, you know, that the, the city transporter at um, uh, in Star Trek Beyond um, at the giant snow globe place <laughs> giant snuggle uh, space station yorktown. yorktown yes and so so we actually got a couple pictures in that which was pretty kind of which was pretty cool um there was the uh the turbo lift from star trek beyond and the jj abrams movies was there and it's huge and we have our photo in it yeah, I didn't know it was as big as it was, but I got to say, man, we saw all kinds of things. We saw Transformer stuff, like I said. We saw um, one of the sets uh, from the movie. Oh, what was the name of the movie with the puppets? Um, Team America World Police. Yeah, Team America. We saw the actual sets and the size of, of what these buildings were with the puppets next to them to give you an idea of how small it was. Um, but I got to say, a moment which I'll never forget as a Transformers fan. Optimus Prime happens to be parked in that warehouse, the truck, <laughs> the actual truck, the real truck. They actually drove it in. Yeah, we sat in inside Optimus Prime, and I was very excited about that. Yeah, it's it's a you know a, a customized Peterbilt semi, um, and this is from the 2007 Transformers, so the the very first movie. Yeah. And you and I both sat inside Optimus Prime, um, right there in the Paramount Props Warehouse. It was amazing. Uh, this a, and those, that's just a few of the things that were in there. That This place is just jam-packed with history. They had greased lightning in there. Yes. They had an unused, uh, a speeder bike from Star Trek 2009, or it looked like a speeder bike. Right. But it was, uh, those scenes wound up getting cut because they thought it looked too much like the speeder bike from Return of the Jedi. Yes. Um, so they just, they nixed the, the scene. Um, all kinds of Transformer stuff, all kinds of uh, Anchorman stuff. Ron Burgundy's bar was in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brick Tamlin's headstone was in there. Um, uh, just, just an amazing array of, of stuff and uh, stuff from, uh, I think Transformers Revenge of the Fallen stuff from GI Joe, um, stuff from, um, oh God, um, uh, I can't think of Tropic Thunder. If I was, if I remember correctly, there was a case in there that was opened up and it had some kind of devices in it that was supposed to be these futuristic things. I think it was from one of the Star Trek movies, but I forget. And it was all, you know, done up to really look nice and great. But for some reason, when they actually filmed the scene in the movie, they forgot to open the case. So you never actually saw the things that were in the case, which were really kind of cool, even though they were made out of like cardboard and stuff. It still looked pretty awesome. I thought it was for one of the Mission Impossible movies. It could have. It could have been. I could be. I could be mixing up. There was so many movies represented in that building. Like there was the motorcycle from GI Joe, and it had the dummy on it that they actually filmed the scene where the guy like like went flying and fingers broke off him and everything like that. <laughs> cool stuff. And well, oh. 
And from there, we started just walking around the lot and Adam would point out various points of interest, you know, like where Gene Roddenberry's office was on the Desilu lot, you know, and, and, you know, where pretty much everybody else was in the building and then across the street where the writers were. Yeah. Um, and it was just all really kind of fascinating. Um, just the history of it all. It's like, you know, you hear stories about where these things went down and where Gene's office was and to see that location, it's like, wow, really? Yeah, fifty something years ago. Going yeah, with us. yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, there was a. Um, there's. We walked by a building, and Adam says, "Do you recognize this building?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "It was used as the high school in the Brady Bunch." I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my true. god!" Yeah, <laughs> the yep. tree's bigger, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, just all kinds of stuff like that. It was it, just seeing things. It was. It's interesting to see how much on location stuff is actually filmed just out in the open on the lot just by seeing the buildings. It really is. And you don't, you don't, you don't know it when you're watching different things and you're watching different shows that all of this history and the sets, this is one of the things that I found so amazing is the sets are used over and over again in different things. And you would never know it because of the small details. Like there was a, we'll talk a little bit more detail in a minute about the actual neighborhood areas, like the different parts, like there was a New York city and I think a Chicago city street and stuff like that. And I, as we're walking, I'm noticing something. And before I got a chance to ask the question, Adam goes, you may notice that all the doors don't have doorknobs or knockers on any of them. And that's because if they're filming a time-specific scene, they can change the hardware to match the actual era that they're doing the filming of it. It's, it's just detail like that, which is pretty incredible. The amount of work that has to go on just to prep. Oh, you know, one of the streets on the back lot for a shoot just has to be amazing. Um, and you never stop and think about it because these buildings have been there for, for decades, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, it's interesting to see them working on them to, to shoot it for something else. You know, there's this one street corner that looks like it has a a restaurant that people can sit in. And at at this point, I think it just been used for like, uh, NCIS LA or something like that, but it's been used in so many other things. And they were painting it for something else. And it's like, okay. In in one episode, it was Cisco's. Yep. And in another episode, it was uh, Cassidy's Restaurant in Far Beyond the Stars that she right. worked at. Right. So it's just amazing that they use the same things, but they make it look so different. One of the things that I liked when we first walked into that area that you're talking about is a little further off down the, down the way, you see some buildings and there's an alley. And Adam looks and he goes, you see that alley? I'm like, yeah. And I get a big smile because I know something big's coming. He goes, that's where Steve Rogers got beat up when he was scrawny Steve Rogers at the beginning of Captain America. And I almost flipped my gourd. (laughs) (laughs) It was so great. As soon as you see the the alley, you're like, oh my God, yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. It really is. And I've since watched Captain America just so I could point that out to everybody in my family. Seen that. Seen it. (laughs) Yeah, just walking around the back lot was just like a tour of things we've seen all throughout film and television. Oh, yeah. Um, Before we got there, though, we actually took a walk by the original stage nine from Desilu, which is uh, now stage 32, I believe. I believe so. That's on the other end of Leonard Nimoy Way, if I remember correctly. And Leonard Nimoy Way starts at stage 29, where Dr. Phil was filming that morning. Right. No, spot on. You just took the... Took the words right out of my mouth. Stage 29, uh, where Dr. Phil is, I mean, the Arsenio Hall show was filmed there. Solid mm-hmm. Gold was filmed there. Oh, wow. The original Mission Impossible for Desilu was filmed on stage 29, which I believe back then was stage eight, but also Star Trek Generations and Star Trek First Contact. 
We're Scrooged. Don't forget Scrooged. <laughs> stage 29, which is the original Stage 9 at, at Desilu. Um, I'm sorry, Stage 32, my bad. I clicked on the wrong one. Um, not only had the original Star Trek, but it had Citizen Kane yep. and Chinatown and the 1976 King Kong and Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1, which is one of my favorite Mel Brooks movies of all time. Never seen it. But right now it's filming the NBC series This Is Us which is probably one of the most popular dramas on television. And to think about all of these productions passing through these buildings is really kind of amazing. It really is. You, you, don't, you don't realize the history. I mean, we, we were told about it and we were getting to see it, but thankfully, as, as you've been pointing out as we're sitting here, there are plaques on each one of these stages that show the shows that were or the movies that were filmed and when. And you look at the lists of some of these plaques, and it really is mind-boggling that I didn't realize that Solid Gold was on stage 29 until you just said it. I must have missed it when Adam said it. It's it's amazing that these shows that are 50, 60 years old, older than that, all the way up to something going right now was filmed in the same exact spot. That's really amazing. It's amazing. So we, we saw, you know, um, all kinds of of locations on the back lot that were used for like Deep Space Nine's past tense. Yeah. You know, the uh, the government center where they're processed gets used as a high school and a bunch of other shows because it looks like a school in, in probably in New York City. Um, we saw the, uh, the the subway stop where Cisco and Bashir are found by, by Dick Miller and the other guy at the beginning of Past Tense. Um, and we saw the sidewalk. Oh, the sidewalk. Oh, my God, the sidewalk. So, so yeah, let me paint a picture here if I could. There's a sidewalk. And... It just so happens that the buildings where the sidewalk is, is where the outside of Benny's apartment in Far Beyond the Stars was. So it's that same block. And if you remember from the episode, he comes out one night with his with his drawing and it blows away in the wind. And he gets stopped by two police officers who are called Dakot and Wayun in human form. And they give him a hard time on the sidewalk. And they finally tell him to take his drawing and get out of here. And he goes. So Adam's sitting there looking at us with a funny look on his face. And he goes, uh, so this sidewalk that that took place in, that's the same sidewalk that the opening of Laverne and Shirley was filmed on. And we didn't see it until we came around the end of the sidewalk yeah. and looked down and we're like, oh my God, that's Laverne and Shirley sidewalk. Unbelievable. The, the, I don't even know the words, but if we knew the words, we were going to actually, he was going to film us doing it. And uh, it's, that was one of the oblique moments of the weekend that you think about things that you've seen a thousand times in your life. And you're standing at the same spot where it was done and where your favorite Star Trek series of all time had scenes filmed in. Uh, Schlemiel, Schlemazel, Austin Pfeffer Incorporated. Austin Pfeffer Incorporated. Yeah. Before I was so rudely interrupted. We're going to do it. Uh, Oh, can't do that. Sorry. Can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, and then we got to go into the archive, which is literally right there on the back lot. Like right next to Laverne and Shirley Avenue, as I like to call it, is the archive building. And we got to go in. And one of the many film vaults that Paramount has is, is also in this building. And uh, right away, you know, I, I look, took a look to my left and on this shelf that said six hour hold were copies of Star Trek, the motion picture. Like, like the film from the, the film, film of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows what it was for? I mean, um, I, I don't know, but clearly somebody was going to use it for something. 
Uh, but also one of the things that I just really geeked out on was one of the original VistaVision cameras, mm-hmm. uh, like the one that was used to film White Christmas, the my favorite holiday movie of all time, uh, Paramount's first movie in VistaVision. And there it is right there in that archive, just set up and on display in this temperature controlled room. It, it's, it, it, I was like a little kid just geeking out over that camera. You know, it's weird. And this is kind of a dark thing to think about, but I, I couldn't help but think while we were looking at this stuff, it's a, it's a temperature controlled room. It's a vault. So it's protected, but the amount of history, I mean, millions and millions and millions of feet of film are in this one vault and it's just one. The, the, the I, I find myself like nervous in there. Well, what if ever something ever happened to this building? All of this history would be gone, and it's it's it, it kind of scared me a little bit because, you know, you're sitting there and you're looking at a film reel from 1976, and it's the the film reel of the actual movie that was filmed back then, and it's sitting right there at your fingertips. It's just it's hard to fathom. I guess somebody who works there is probably like, ah, it's no big deal. But for somebody like us, that's a big deal. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, all throughout this archive building, there are costumes and props on display. And these things that are on display will never be worn by again by another human being. And the first one that caught my eye was Leonard Nimoy's costume from Star Trek 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, I imagine it went like this. He took the costume off on the last day of shooting. They whisked it off to the archive and said, no one's ever going to wear this. And it's it's on display right there. I mean, we saw, you know, Ron Burgundy suit. We saw original costumes from Greece. We saw uh, Robin Wright's costume as Hippie Jenny from Forrest Gump. We saw mm-hmm. Forrest Gump's hat and sneakers covered with mud from when he was running. We saw Tom Hanks' uniform from Saving Private Ryan. We saw all kinds of stuff from Galaxy Quest. And, well... You got to see a bunch of stuff, or we both did, from one of your favorite comedies of all time. Oh, my gosh. Before I bring that up, I want to say we also saw, you may have mentioned it, I was looking at the pictures as you were talking, George Takei's outfit from the beginning of Star Trek Three, before they steal the Enterprise. And it's amazing the difference in color when you're looking at it in real life versus when you see it on screen. It was very vibrant. I mean, it was it was it was pretty bright in the in the movie, but seeing it up close with the purples and the aquas was really surprising to me. But yes, um, as you were mentioning, one of the things we got to do is we got to talk to the uh, jewelry archivist uh, for Paramount, and in she was she was in her office, and her office was like a half door, so she could sit and lean and talk to us. And, and we're looking at stuff, and outside of her office are some some interesting looking crowns and and stuff. And she's talking about the history of some of these things that have been seen in movies from the silent era days, actually. And and her job is to is to find these pieces and and archive them and so on, whatnot. But in her office were different artifacts from coming to America. And when I say artifacts, I'm not joking. The, the, the lion's head um, thing that the king wears was in a room right next to her, but also the actual crowns that Lisa wore in, in the movie and that Eddie Murphy wore and James Earl Jones wore. And James Earl Jones's crown not only had the gold and the jewels, it had padding, like nice fur on the inside so it would sit nice on his head. And this is one of Sue and I's go-to movies. We love this movie, and I'm so excited about the sequel that's going to be coming out. So it was just by happenstance that we happened to be there this day where all of these props uh, from the original coming to America were were out. I mean, they had Mr. You know, they had Mr. McDowell's pin from the restaurant sitting there in her desk, and and the big necklaces that that um, uh, Eddie Murphy and James Earl Jones wore. It was 
amazing to see when you when you were a fan of something and then you see something real from one of those movies. And of course, Star Trek's in its own thing, but a movie like this, it really it really made me smile from ear to ear. And I think that was one of my favorite moments of the whole day was seeing those. Like, I just I want I really wanted to pick one up and put it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it was an amazing day overall. Um, you know, we saw. Uh, one of the things that just blew me away was the the building on the Paramount lot that doubled as Nazi headquarters oh. in the TOS episode, uh, Patterns of Force. And um, it, there it is. We walked around the corner and Adam said, oh, yeah, by the way, that building. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it is. That's um, the lawyer's building now. <laughs> yeah, it's like accounting and some legal. Um, but, you know, we, we took some stock photos by the Paramount gate. We saw all kinds of stuff. But um, what a day. And it was only the start of our day because that night... Um, was the premiere at the Arclight yeah. in Hollywood. Wow. Um, and to say that our nervous energy had really peaked at that point probably is the understatement of the year. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. I mean, we get there and, you know, I was there a few years ago, so I kind of remember what we had to do for check-in, but this was different for us because, you know, we're, the, we're for the red carpet, so we had to do the check-in and and then we, we hear that we're going to be kind of packed tight. So I'm like, okay, so we'll see where we need to go. So we, you know, we're novice. We're new with this. We don't know what to do. So we walk in and there's the carpet. It's a black carpet, actually, not a red carpet, but there's the carpet. And there's the Picard logo, a big, nice backdrop behind the black carpet with, with the word Picard, the logo, in like 3D. It's made out of, the, the letters are made out of wood. Stig, oh, my God, it was gorgeous. So we're just like, okay, where do you want to go? Let's go stand over there. Oh, okay, let's go stand over there. So we go to one end, and we're just standing there, not knowing that we actually had assigned spots that we didn't know about. So the lady's coming by, and she's checking with everybody, and she goes, you're the Trek, and like, who are you? And like, we're the Trekkie. She goes, oh, you're supposed to be here. I just stay there. So she took her card and moved it over, so everybody moved down to, to kind of squeeze in with us. But we had a great location uh, at one end of the uh, of one end of the carpet. We were very close to all the fans who were there cosplaying. And just the setup, and I, I, you could tell I was nervous because I kept looking at the call sheet just to make sure that I wouldn't screw up anybody's name. <laughs> I have a habit of doing stuff like that. They did have a printed sheet with uh, with everybody's name and photo and character name, uh, which which was great. Um, uh, completely unnecessary, um, but uh, great just the same. Um, and, and there was a lot of waiting around. Oh yeah. You, know, you get set up, you get everything going. We start deciding to live stream it to Facebook, um, which was kind of fun. We'd never done anything like that before. And then the the noise, the audio there just became overwhelming. Right. Yeah. Um, it was hard to hear at times. Mm-hmm. It was. And as people on the live stream were watching, were telling us it was hard to hear when we were doing the interviews. But we had different microphones set up for that. But it really was amazing how the swell of noise just, it was like a wave. Yeah. I mean, because all of the cast and, and, and all of the people that were coming down the carpet came from the way over the other end. We were at the far end. So we had to wait a while. And of course, when they start talking to all the different outlets that are there, they can be there for a few minutes. So we're sitting there we're like, oh God, there's Jeff Russo. He's coming over. 20 minutes later, it was like, oh, there's Jeff Russo. Maybe he's going to get here sometime soon. <laughs> but they started coming finally. So uh, as all the people came by, we got to, as people saw, we got to talk to great people like Jeff Russo and 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 Mr. Shabon and 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 Rod Roddenberry and and Brent Spiner. We talked to Brent Spiner, Bill. I talked to Brent Spiner. I had Michelle Hurd <laughs> and Wilson Hurd, Cruz, oh Space Poppy, and, and Kirsten Beyer and uh, Hanley Culpepper and Evan Ivagora, who plays Elnor. 
Uh, I loved his suit. Picard. I know he looked, pre- he looked pretty styling. Jim Morehouse was right next to us with Trek core. Oh yeah. Um, that's right. To the other side of you was <laughs> the other side of you with the space com and the CTV yes. guys from Canada. Yep. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. Uh, we tried to get Alex Kurtzman to come talk to us. Yep. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. It's like um, he took one look at us and went right to Trekcore. <laughs> <laughs> he really wanted to talk to the bottom of the barrel then, I guess. Oh, I meant Morehouse, not Trekcore. We love Trekcore. Gotcha, Jim. Yeah. No, in, in all seriousness, um, there were, I mean, it was so amazing to talk to so many of these wonderful people. Would have loved to talk to Marina and Jerry Ryan and Jonathan Delarco. But as the night wore on, of course, it always takes longer to do things than they actually, you know, set aside time for. So they started shuffling people in really quickly. So we, we didn't get to talk to everybody, but the people we talked to were amazing people. And I will cherish every single word that I shared with them. And every time, every no, every once and again, I got to look over at you because you were kind of watching the camera. You were just smiling from ear to ear the whole time, man. <laughs> it was an experience that I never thought we'd get the opportunity to do. I mean, to, to literally talk to to these these actors and these producers and these directors because i mean let's face it we're just two nerds with microphones who decided one day hey let's start a podcast right yep and then here we are sitting there asking jeff russo what uh what inspired him to do the picard theme and it just it's it's just something that i'll never take for granted and i'll always appreciate but oh my god do i want to do it again (laughs) Hopefully we'll uh, we'll do that with the next Star Trek series. There's more coming, so yeah, there is. There um, certainly is. So we'll fast forward to the end of the night. Um, I'm packing up gear, and at this point, we still didn't know if we were going to get into the screening. Right. As far as we knew, we were going to be hanging out in the bar, and I said to you, "Hey, take a run by the table for check-in, see if there's any tickets, just for the hell of it. I'll stay here and pack up the gear." And you said, "Okay," and you were gone for five minutes. Yeah, I was I wasn't optimistic, but at that point we've already talked about it. He said, you know, if we don't get in, we don't get in. We had a great time here. This was this was like any unlike anything we've ever done before. I'm happy with this if that's all it is. So I went to where we checked in and there was some wonderful ladies sitting behind the desk and I went up to one and I said, Hey, I just wanted to check where with the the media and was wondering if there were any no shows because I understand that um Screener passes were separate. We didn't get any screener passes. And she goes, oh, who are you with? So I said, oh, I'm Dan Davidson. I'm with Trek Geeks, and my, my partner's Bill Smith. And she goes, okay, hold on one second. And she looks at her computer, and she goes, oh, yeah. And she taps on her keyboard a few times. She goes, here you go. I was like, okay. So I kind of put them both in my pocket <laughs> and walked up to you. And I didn't, I didn't show any excitement, although inside I was screaming. Um, <laughs> walked up to you, and you're looking at me, and, and uh, you go, any luck? And I go, yeah, and I pulled out one ticket and gave it to you. And I was I was mortified because I figured you weren't going to go in because you told me well before that if we got one ticket I was going in because you got to go to the Discovery premiere. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, you don't get to go in. This is horrible. And then you reached into your breast pocket and pulled out the second ticket. I thought you were going to kiss me. <laughs> now, I guarantee you that was not going to happen. <laughs> so it was great. And at this point, it's like late. It's already past the time that they're supposed to start the screening. So we we run in there. We find out where our seats are. We were row Q, which I thought was just awesome. <laughs> and we're literally in the center of the theater, horizontally and vertically. We're like pretty much dead center. So we've got yeah. perfect seats. Um, when we walked in, Alex Kurtzman and Patrick, Sir Patrick Stewart were on stage. Um and they they were talking. I ran out to get something to eat real quick for both of us. The popcorn and came back and sat down. And literally, when I sat down, 
they started it. And so we were probably one of the last few people to get in and sit down. And they surprised all of us when we sat down because they told us not only were we going to see the first episode of Picard, we were going to see the first three episodes because yeah. it's basically a chapter. Um, and oh, what a night. Late December back in 63 has no. nothing to do with it because yeah. it was fantastic. Absolutely nothing yeah. to do with it. It was, <laughs> uh, it was probably one of the moments of my fandom I will always remember. Um, just the ability to go and, and to see it with, with so many fans, so many fans in attendance, so many, so many great creative people in attendance. We saw, uh, Bowie Kim and Erica Lippolt yes. from Star Trek Discovery Writers Room there. Um, and we saw all kinds of people we know from STLV. Um, it was just an amazing evening and, um, it, it was great to you know be able to release the video of clips from the interviews that, that we did. Um, it was, uh, it, we learned a lot from the experience. If we get the opportunity to do this again, we, we've got some plans. <laughs> yes, we certainly do. One thing I want to add, Bill is, is I was very touched and I was very impressed with Sir Patrick Stewart when he was on stage talking to everybody. You can tell the pride that he has for this this show and what he's doing by returning to the Star Trek universe as Picard. And I was very humbled by listening to what he had to say and the thanks that he poured out to all of his um, co-stars and people that work behind the camera. It really was a special moment to listen to him. I, I agree with that 100%. Um, he, he, you can tell that that not only is Picard in a different phase in his life, but Sir Patrick is as well. And uh, I think that showed not only in his performance, but in the way he talked to every single person, just looking at the way he, he greeted the fans at the premiere was just, it, uh, you could do nothing but smile. You know, it's, you could tell that he is excited for this and, and not, we were excited. Um, and we were, we were standing with the press and we were geeking out over it. So, um, it worked. It was an amazing, amazing time. I hope that there are some shots of it on the Blu-ray when season one is eventually put out. Um, but uh, it's something I will never forget as long as I live, the return of, of Jean-Luc Picard in the premiere. So. And I'll, I'll tell you one other thing, and I said this I said this earlier in a different part of the recording, and, and, and I, I say it with, with all seriousness. I had the opportunity um, to join our friends at Fansets for the Discovery premiere a few years ago, and that was an amazing time. This time was a thousand times more enjoyable. And the main reason it was is because you were there this time to share it with. We had a fantastic time. It was something that we will never forget. And uh, I'm glad you finally got to make it out there, man. Me too, buddy. It was, uh, it's a highlight of my fandom for sure. The fact that we got to experience it together was, was everything to me. And um, here's to the next one. <laughs> because we were, we were worried we were going to be the two guys who mess it up. <laughs> And we didn't. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I didn't hit you in front of everybody this time. Well, we didn't like tear down the uh, the backdrop accidentally. You know, we didn't put <laughs> yeah, out all, a wine mixer. <laughs> we didn't put out all kinds of spoilers. You know, we didn't uh, we didn't ruin the night for anybody. Um, so hopefully, we get invited back. Um, yeah, we, we we try to be good stewards at these things. Hopefully CBS says, yeah, you can come back, no problem. So uh, fingers crossed. Uh, but it was it was an amazing week. If you haven't had the chance to check out Star Trek Picard yet, um, I know people in my everyday life who have checked it out for the first time and have loved it. Speaking of CBS, Bill, um, special thanks to them for for 
for allowing us to join them for a fun night. We get to see uh, our friend John Van Sitters, which is great to see him whenever we do. There are a lot of other people that we've talked to in email over the last few years that were there that we get to meet in person. And we are very thankful that they allowed us this opportunity. It was fantastic. Uh, particularly everybody at CBS PR and, and the people who were doing the organizing for the Picard event. Um, I'm sure we seemed like pains in the ass at times. And uh, I'm sure that... Uh, we were probably the only organization that sent a thank you note afterwards because we did. Um, it was that cool an experience and here's hoping that, uh, here's hoping that we get to do it again. And, um, like I said, if you haven't checked out the interview clips on our YouTube channel, uh, you absolutely should because, uh, it was some great conversations. Well, Dan, you know what else is great? The music from the band five, your mission, they adorn every episode of the Trek geeks podcast and also the other shows on the Trek geeks network of podcasts. Um, we want everyone to head on to fiveyearmission.net, download all their albums, and then check out their podcast on the Trek Geeks Network. Oddly enough, Dan, did you know it's called Five Year Mission, the podcast? They got some smart people over there. They really do. Good marketing. That's this, this week on 5YM Pod, they are talking to Dan Devey from Gaze in Space. It is a fantastic conversation. Uh, about representation and growing up as a as a as a geek in the LGBTQ plus community, uh, definitely want you to check it out. That's fiveyearmission.net. Go download all their stuff. Lots of good stuff. Lots of albums. Lots of songs. Lots of fun. You know what else is fun, Bill? Your face. Uh, my that goes without saying. But um, the episode that I watched recently, I think you're gonna like this one. I mean, it was it was it was a, it was a good one. It was a Starfleet musician just happened to be a great drummer and was befriended by Jordy. Don't yawn. It's very, it's very important. Uh, but then he was implicated in the murder of a fellow music maker oh, on God. an isolated communication relay oh, station. Oh, God. Who would have thought, Bill, that the dog would end up being the big blobby bad guy who is responsible for the entire mess of an episode? I talk about, of course, the one and only, the famous... Farquiel. <laughs> I have to hand it to you. This is actually the first Farkism I've loved. <laughs> and the, the poetic irony of this is it's the worst episode of the next generation and the best Farkism. The best Farkism? Did I hear you right? Yeah, you did. This is the best one you've ever done. Um it's the only one I've it's the only one I've dared to call one I like. <laughs> wow, and we're starting off on the right foot now. Fark, right? Fark wheel. Let's see you change your, your Twitter profile to that, Fark. <laughs> it was the dog. The dog, Indiana. We named so the dog Fark wheel. Fark wheel. That's fiveyearmission.net. Please go get all their music. Of course, don't forget you can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to exclusive bonus content via Patreon. Check out our t-shirt design or annual supporters pin design for 2020 and even get raw unedited audio of all of our podcasts along with some other great perks dan absolutely lots of perks uh right now though we would like to take a moment to thank our associate producers for trek geeks we are so grateful for their support and they include adam sanders brandon everidge heather Sohn, john krikorian rick tatro trey womack sean lynn shane murray tim robertson tim serdar vikram bat Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, Jim McMahon, Luke Burnham, Eric Sakian, Lisa Tomlinson, and the gracious and wonderful Mr. Conrad Hutchins. <laughs> I laugh every time you do that because you sound like C-3PO. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, 
Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Network. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Wow, that was pretty good. Uh, Dan, next week, we continue our year-long celebration of Voyager 25 with the return of one of our most popular discussion topics on the podcast. I'm going to squeal. I'm so excited about this, dude. Please don't. Okay. Uh, I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe that has actually been... Dude, did you know it's been over a year since we last did this? I did. I believe the last time we did it was in November of 2018 for Season 7 of Deep Space Nine. Well, it's time to dust off the spreadsheet, my friend. It's time to give our valued opinions. It's time to finally welcome Debbie Moltisanti to the show as we give our thoughts on Voyager Season 2 with... See it, see it, see it. Or skip it, skip it, skip it. Next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship podcast of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Some folks may or may not remember that the very first theater skip it we did several years back was Voyager Season right. 1. So uh, that was a long time ago. So that's why we're starting with Voyager Season 2. And Debbie, who does the various episode polls in Camp Kittimer for Theater Skip It, is joining us as our special guest moderator. Um, and I am pleased as, as I'll get out to have her aboard. Uh, she'll be much more fun to talk to than Dan is. That's for damn sure. I Tell me about it. I know. I live it every day. Of course, we want everyone to check out the other member shows of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. We have some great discussions going on out there. Polytrex is dropping new episodes these days. We got uh, the audio-only version of Picard Live. We have the video version of Picard Live streaming every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook. There's uh, this little show that somebody may have heard of. We got Discovering Trek. That's a that's a great show. There's Five Year Mission, the podcast. There's Rewind. And coming up soon, there's Who is Trek, and I'm sure there's one or two I've forgotten because we've become a media empire. Wow. So for all those shows, you can head on over to trekgeeks.com. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 205 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Because they were no longer coconut. You are still coconut, unfortunately. Damn it. Red velvet crab. It's just chocolate. It's red colored chocolate. Dense. You have no idea what you're talking about. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producer, Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Bing bong. You okay? That's all you get today. I'm done with you already. Wow, okay. Well, bing yong dong, because I probably would spell it wrong anyway, so there you go. Oh, Echo Babble. Oh, Echo Babble. That's going to be the hashtag tomorrow. Or Peco Babble. Peco Babble. Yep. Uh, if for any of those that uh, want to know what that's all about, you're just going to have to join Patreon. No. Go, no. Go to my, or go to my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Instagram.com slash Trek Geek Bill. Uh, you'll, you'll see. 
You yeah. can see a picture of me holding a beer. You'll know what it. What? You'll know you found home. Dan said some, spelled something wrong. That never happens. So it's Tuesday. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. Or it's a day that ends in Y. Well, that's funny. Oh my God, you're hilarious. It's also true. It is true. That's that's true. Your that's face true. is true. It is true. The truer face has never been sent. It's true something. I don't know what I'm even saying anymore. I have Hi. no idea. Hi, buddy. Oh, it's only Tuesday, and I'm like, is the week over yet? And I have to record with you? God, what else is next? I feel like <laughs> I feel like I haven't seen you in a week, but yet I literally just saw you on Picard Live on Sunday. I know, but it, it well, we didn't see each other face to face and for real, so I could like rub my hands through your hair. But um My glorious mane. Yeah, yeah, it's looking pretty glorious right now. Um but yeah, we did see each other quickly because the Canadian internet and everything. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Barry's Canadian internet. And just as you said Canadian internet, you dropped from the recording. And I'm sitting here going, what the hell's going on? I can't even breathe. <laughs> That's like the best thing ever. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <sighs> so yeah, it's been a long week. It's only Tuesday, but um, you know what? That's okay. Because we're doing Trek Geeks, and that always makes me smile. Yeah, no, that's true. I agree with that. It makes yeah. me smile. Yeah. Take that shiner box and have your pooper. What? Anyway. what? Excuse me? <laughs> Remember, this is the released version. That's all right. Not it the PG. Version. It was PG thirteen. I didn't say anything bad. I'm just gonna have a sip of my drink. Hold on a second. Yeah, that's great for people with misophonia. That's fantastic. They love hearing that. <laughs> uh, that is a good martini. I gotta say. Anyway, and you're drinking the uh, sexual chocolate martini. S- sexual chocolate, yeah, as named by Mrs. Davidson. Absolutely, she's a smart woman. I'm drinking the Federation Special Reserve Star Trek wine. Very nice. It's not bad. Yeah. You I get to crack the Chateau Picard, but okay. We'll, I can't wait till you try that one. Then we'll be able to. Then we'll have a something that we can discuss when we do an uncorking video soon. That'll well, great. Theoretically, we have to uncork it to try it, right? Right. So there you go. So there you go. So Bob's your uncle. What? Huh? Bob's your uncle. I don't have an uncle Bob. All right. Shut up. Anyway, just anyway. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, uh, it was. It's an awesome drink. Very easy to make. Two ounces vodka, three ounces uh, chili chocolate uh, Kahlua, two ounces cream. Shave a little chocolate on the top of that bad boy after you shake it and pour it in your martini glass. Yum! Anyway. (laughs) 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 Just wanted to throw that out there. Well, thank you for doing that. I I genuinely appreciate the fact that you've you've done that. And my foot's better. So, you know, win-win. Uh, your face is still horrible, though. Yes, you know Killing what? I'd horrible. rather have a horrible face than that bad foot. So, yeah. Uh, really, that's, you should consult the rest of us first. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, wow, that was I know. Tell me about cruel. it. You know, to the heart is true. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not singing it. Okay, Elvis. <laughs> well, thank you very much. See what I did there? No, you didn't see what I. Did. No, I did. <laughs> I was trying to pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> I got to say one thing right now in the outtake, and even though this is at the end of the episode, so people have already heard it by the time they listen to this, you, my friend, are going to love this week's Farkism. Guarantee it. So over the weekend, I, on Twitter, I did a, you know, ask me my top three anything. And a bunch of people asked me my top three Farkisms. And my number one was the one that people haven't heard yet. They'll hear it this week. This Farkism that you're doing today is my f- actual favorite of your Farkisms of all time. Excellent. That's Thank a short you. list because I've hated most of them. <laughs> well, this one, I'm like, I can't believe I haven't done this one yet. I can't either. And it's it's perfect. I got to say. 
one of my top three is one you've done twice and messed up both times. Which one is that? Wrongs Farker than Death or Night. Never can get that title right. I know, I know. (laughs) But maybe that's what makes it so good. And the other one was Fark Page. Ah, okay. Yep. Excellent. I got the whole spreadsheet, man. I can't believe I did one twice because I usually make sure I haven't done it before before I do one. I think you did it off the fly because you hadn't prepped one. Oh, okay. Um, and that's the way that happened. All right. Oh, it's still it's still awesome. And I think the first time you called it wrongs farker than night. Yes, I, I believe you're right. And the second time it was wrongs farker than death or something. Something. <laughs> I love how this week uh, Fark actually changed his Twitter page to Pafark. That made me proud. Star Trek Pafark. Proud, proud human right here. <laughs> you're uh, a good boy, Fark. Fark, you're all right. <laughs> even if that far, that farkism was painful as all get out. The tweet was even better when he showed the. And that was it. it was <laughs> that, that was, was the best way. Yep, it was. Wow. Uh, so I can't say it. It's a you know family show. So, but yeah. still pretty good. So uh, obviously, in this episode, we're talking about our trip to La La Land, mm. and the rest of the world will catch up to us this week in the episodes of Star Trek Picard that I've seen, and I don't. I, I don't want to. I don't want to rub it in, but oh my god, episode three is so good. <laughs> I know, but I'm so ready to not know what's going to happen along with everybody else. Same here. At the same time, but yeah. Oh, oh my god, week three. <laughs> now the bummer is we've had to wait a month for new Star Trek. Right, right. It's not a bummer because we get. To see it. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Yeah, and and we'll talk. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. The, the last, literally, almost the. Last, I think we were the last two people let into the theater. It was very, very, uh, very close to it. If, if they, not, they started the right after you came back with popcorn. Yeah, yep, that was awesome. Fun <laughs> <laughs> to talk about. Because premieres are not. All right, I'm going to call a moratorium. You don't have to do that for the rest of the recording. You did it once on the Patreon. That's fine. You're doing it once here. Yep. I'm going to limit you to once per show. It could be. Oh, wouldn't it be better if it was like once per Patreon, once per outtake, and once no. per recording of no. the show? No. I think the fans would love that. Uh, as the executive producer, I'm uh, making a ruling um, <laughs> once per show. All right. Fine. And that's it. That's, you're just, you know, not giving the people what they want. Uh, you're, <laughs> in this case, you're the people, and I'm not giving you crap. <laughs> You've taken everything. <laughs> You've taken my spirit. You've taken my will to live. Oh, wow. He took everything from me. What movie is that from? I don't know. Oh, no. Mm. Um, no, see, in TNG Family, season four, episode two, it's they took everything I was. Yeah. I was doing a movie quote. But I don't know what you're quoting. I was doing a movie quote with someone who played a Romulan in TNG, actually. A little hint. He was the bad guy. Okay, so the Romulans are pretty much always the bad guys. <laughs> well, he was the bad guy in the movie. Do you want to help it me was, out? It was Harrison Ford saying it in The Fugitive. Harrison Ford was a Romulan? No, he, uh, the bad guy, uh, Tomalak, and, was the Andreas bad guy. Andreas Katsoulis. Yeah, he was the bad guy in The Fugitive. He was also in Babylon 5. It, he was, and he was, he was fantastic in that, I hear. What a great actor. He was a great actor. He was. I never saw Babylon 5, though, unfortunately. I, I've only seen a couple of episodes, but Andreas Katsoulis is one of those actors who just was fantastic in just about everything. You figure in The Fugitive, he played a retired cop who was, who was bad, mm-hmm. and he was, he was fantastic in that movie. And that's like, you know, one of the pivotal characters, and he, that, that's a lot of burden in a big film like that, and he did a great job. He did. I just like his name, Andreas Katsoulis. Next time, starring... Andrew's Katsoulas. You're killing me. 
<laughs> Are you ready to do this? I am yeah. ready. I'm like, I'm like, I'll blah, blah, blah. I'll like what? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a mutant cough. <laughs>